It's Thursday, July the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Jovenel Moise's assassins shot down and class action suits filed against tech giants. First, the world in brief. Police in Haiti said they killed four of the, quote, foreign mercenaries who assassinated President Jovenel Moise and captured two others. The assassins were said to have identified themselves as American drug enforcement agents. The president's wife was also injured in the attack and flown to Miami for treatment. The country is now under martial law and its border with the Dominican Republic has been closed. World leaders condemned the attack. Jacob Zuma, former president of South Africa, surrendered himself to begin serving a 15-month prison sentence. Mr. Zuma was convicted of contempt of court for refusing to give evidence in a corruption investigation. His daughter tweeted that he was in, quote, high spirits and had cracked a joke about Robben Island, the prison where Mr. Zuma was once held with Nelson Mandela. Dozens of American states sued Google, arguing that its promotion of its own app store within its Android mobile operating system violates antitrust law. The lawsuit, filed in a federal court in California, marks the third attempt by state's attorneys general to rein in the technology giant. App makers in particular cheered the suit, noting its similarity to Epic Games' effort against Apple. Donald Trump filed class-action lawsuits against Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and their CEOs, accusing them of censorship for having kicked him off their platforms. The ex-president claims that the companies are, quote, state actors and so forbidden from interfering with speech. The suits also ask the court to strike down legal code which protects platforms from liability for user-generated content. Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister, announced his largest cabinet reshuffle since taking office in 2014. It seems designed to repair Mr Modi's reputation, which has been damaged by his handling of the pandemic. Harsh Vardhan, the health minister, was among the first to resign. Ravi Shankar Prasad, who led the law and IT ministries in their campaign against Twitter, went too. After its direct listing on the London Stock Exchange, Wise, formerly TransferWise, was valued at £8 billion, $11 billion, an impressive opening that makes it the most valuable tech company on the bourse. The company, which shunned a conventional IPO, provides cheap international money transfers. Given the success of its listing, others may be inspired to follow suit. The Ever Given, the container ship that became wedged in the Suez Canal in March, was released after its owner and insurer reached an agreement with the Egyptian government. Shoei Kisan Kaisha, the vessel's owner, was asked to pay $550 million in compensation, though the terms of the final deal were not made public. The ship was refloated a week after it became stuck. And fact of the day. 300,000, the number of people over the age of 65 who died in 2018 as a result of extreme heat, mainly in India and China. This is a 54% increase since 2000. And now, here's today's agenda. More turmoil. Haiti's president is assassinated. The Caribbean country faces uncertain days after President Jovenel Moise was killed in the early hours of yesterday. 
The assailants who attacked him in his home in Port-au-Prince, also injuring his wife, were probably mercenaries. But it is unclear who hired them. Mr. Moise had many enemies. The opposition, which claims that his term legally ended in February, accuse him of incompetence, corruption and overseeing the further incorporation of gangs into Haitian politics. Rumours abound, as always in Haiti, of foreign involvement. The assassination will further destabilize a country plagued by violence, an economic crisis and a now deeper political quagmire. In the absence of a president, the Prime Minister Claude Joseph is in charge, but his term is temporary. A new Prime Minister was to be sworn in and form a government by the end of the week. The fate of that new government and presidential elections scheduled for September is unclear, as is that of the country. Scalextric Stellantis Motorsport takes many forms. Most car makers steer clear of Formula One, but all jostle for pole position in a far more expensive and risky competition, the electrification race. Pressing a foot to the floor today is Stellantis, formed from the merger of PSA, the maker of Peugeots and Citroëns, and Fiat Chrysler automobiles in January. Expect the carmaker to reiterate that by 2025, nearly two-fifths of the cars it sells in Europe will be electric, and by 2030, seven-tenths will be, matching the former front-runner Volkswagen in ambition. But future planning must tick several boxes, aside from sticking batteries in almost everything. In addition to revealing its plans to acquire batteries, Stellantis must also convince investors that it has the software know-how to navigate the passenger car's transition from a means of transport to a piece of personal electronics. The race to resemble a tech firm is revving up. Dedithering, Didi's stock market woes. The addition of Didi Global's shares to FTSE Russell's global indices on July 8th was meant to be great news for investors. Instead, some may now worry that the Chinese ride-hailing company could be a drag on the benchmarks. Didi raised $4.4 billion in New York on June 30th, but within a matter of days was hit with an investigation by China's cyber regulator and dropped from Chinese app stores. That sent the company's shares tumbling by about 20% on July 6th. FTSE has said it will push forward with the original plan of adding Didi to the FTSE All World Index, the FTSE Global Large Cap Index and the FTSE Emerging Index. However, it added a caveat. If the company's shares are suspended, it will hold off and monitor the situation. This probably is not how Didi's founder and CEO Cheng Wei envisioned his company's first week on the stock market. About more than oil, Saudi Arabia and the UAE A quarrel between allies has been dividing OPEC+, plus, a cartel of oil-producing countries. All agree that oil production must increase as demand outstrips supply. But the UAE, having spent heavily to boost output capacity, wants the baseline used to calculate its production targets revised. Saudi Arabia and Russia want to stick with the old framework until 2023. Tensions between Saudi Arabia and the UAE, nominally close allies, have been growing. In 2019, the UAE withdrew its forces from Yemen, leaving Saudi Arabia bogged down in a costly war. Their stances on Israel, Qatar and Turkey have diverged, and now the Saudis are challenging UAE's position as the region's business hub. 
The Saudis have told foreign firms to set up their regional headquarters in the kingdom or lose out on contracts, and have excluded goods made in free zones, a big part of the UAE's economy, from favourable tariff rates. Allies or not, their competition looks likely to intensify. Crossing a Line – Disputed Maps Countries with disputed borders are sensitive about maps. Ukraine used its Euro 2020 football kit to claim back Russian-occupied Crimea. This month, Vietnam demanded Netflix remove an Australian spy drama which briefly showed a map depicting Chinese control of the South China Sea. India is particularly touchy. Publishing maps which do not adhere to official policy is illegal. But not all offences are equal. Recent transgressions by the BBC and WHO earned mere reprimands. But when Twitter, a social media platform and the government's current nemesis mislabels places or quote incorrect maps are shared by its users, such occurrences are investigated as crimes. Even politicians get caught out. Last week, a map shared in 2015 by Pushkar Singh Dami, the chief minister of Uttarakhand, resurfaced. It is missing parts of Kashmir claimed by both India and Pakistan. But no charges were filed. Perhaps that was because it shows, quote, Akhand Bharat, an Indian nationalist fantasy which sees the country's borders expand across Asia. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Percy Bysshe Shelley, who died on this day in 1822. Nothing wilts faster than laurels that have been rested upon. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.